You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Caps. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner, who's live from Disney World. Um, we are uh, we're, we're talking today. Uh, we'll do. Uh, we're talking about the kind of the, the COVID absences the Capitals have played through, in addition to all the injuries. Uh, Bruce Boudreau, our old buddy, taking over as coach of the Vancouver Canucks. TJ Oshie's back for the Capitals. Nicholas Backstrom almost back for this team. Uh, it seems like things are looking up, right, Carl? Yeah, they seem seem like it. It's uh, we've been kind of all counting down the days to. To have Nick Backstrom back, especially after how he played last year, everyone's kind of excited to uh, to just see him back in the lineup. And you know, he's a fan favorite and, and huge for the team on and off the ice. But you know, the nice thing is that uh, the team is already playing playing some good hockey. So you know, it's it's sometimes when you are you have an injured guy or whatever, and they may be ready to come back and play, but you sometimes don't want to upset the apple cart. But um, Nick Nick is not one of those guys where you hold off for. So it'll be great whenever he can come back to. To slot him back in and then really see what this team can can do as long as you know stay off that that COVID list and guys like Osh can uh, find a way to to stay healthy. It would be be great to see the team, I guess, full strength right now because they've been they've been piecing it together and it's been pretty cool. Yeah, back to back wins, uh, finally winning in a shootout. Started the season zero and zero and five in overtime and then losing in the shootout. Alex Ovechkin scored in, in the shootout the other night, and one of the weird things about Alex is he's always been terrible at the shootout for some reason. Yeah, so I, it was funny. I want to talk about that shootout because, like you said, I am live from Disney, so I haven't been able to tune in for full games, but I, I watched some of the highlights, and so he, it's one of those it's one of those things where I think probably everybody watching would just think, you know, like Alex, come down and just rip rip a wrist shot or a slap shot from inside the top of the circle, and you'd score every single time, and I always thought it was funny because he he'd always want to deke and always want to go backhand and do all these things in tight. And I mean, he he has good hands, but he's got a crazy curve on his stick too. That sometimes it's it's not always easy to uh, to handle the puck. And when the ice is a little bit chewed up at the end of the game, and they and they do the scrapes and stuff, it's just not ideal conditions. But yeah, he's been a little, I guess, up and down, you'd say. But if it was me, I'd want to see him come down and just just rip shots all the time because that uh, I think a goalie would have an extremely hard time seeing the puck come off the blade um, when he's that tight. But which, which leads me to my left, my next point talking about John Carlson's goal. So this is something that's so cool. The, when we had Mitch Korn there as the goalie coach, he would um, he'd always pull us all into the room and he would talk about uh, how to score. You know, usually it's, it's, you know, goalie coaches work one-on-one with, with a goalie, or I guess one-on-two with the goalies and talk about how to stop pucks. But he would have these, these um, I guess, goal-scoring clinics, I guess you could call them, where we'd all be in there and he'd show us all the shooting percentages, where to shoot on the goalie, where to shoot from, shoot high, low, middle, five-fold, this and that. It was 
it was really, really cool. And it was always funny because after those meetings, <laughs> I felt bad for the goalies because we'd all be out there in practice just trying all these techniques and stuff that, that Mitch told us. But one of the ones that uh, really always stuck out in my mind, and I know in a few other guys as well, was exactly what Carly did in that shootout. And it, it, may, it may look subtle, but all he does is just kind of a quick open up, open up the blade and push the puck. It, it's maybe six inches from, I guess, inside out and just enough to change his angle, freeze the goalie a little bit. And then if you actually could see from the puck, like an actual, if the puck had eyes, you would just see the net completely open up. It's amazing. And it's such a subtle move and he's done it so many times on, on shootouts. And I, I can clearly remember one other time he did it uh, right after he had one of these meetings. And it's, it's just something that sometimes goes unnoticed, but he's been money. I think he was 40% that I saw going into that one. So yeah, he, he's, he's been pretty hot in the shootout himself. So it's just neat little, little tricks that the goalie coaches can teach at Mitch is definitely, definitely legendary in that, did in that ever, aspect. Did, did you ever get a chance to take a shootout shot? Oh yeah, of course. I, of course I took one. Not, not of um, course. No, uh, no, no, definitely not. Of course. <laughs> well, it, was, it was actually really funny. It was, uh, we had a shootout that went through the entire team uh, against Florida in Florida. Roberto Luongo was in that. And I, I would assume it was Holtz. And um, I think it went like seven or eight shooters at this point. And me and Brooks Orpik are sitting at the end of the bench. And uh, we're both kind of laughing like, oh, what are you going to do if, when it gets to you? And this is only seven shooters in. So like we had no idea. And he's like, oh, he's like, I just said he had no idea. And I said, well, I'll, I'll take a slap shot. If it gets to me, I'll go in there and just try and bury one as hard as I can. And he was kind of like, uh, you, you won't do it. There's no way. And so sure enough, it came up to the 17th and 18th shooter. So me and Orpi were the two last guys. I went 17th, went in there. And I'm like, oh. I told him I would take a slap shot. So I have to. So I went in there, wound up for the big slapper. Luongo just kicked it aside. And uh, their guy went and shot, so Orpi was up. And Orpi came in with this, like, you could pull the clip up. It's hilarious. It was like a fake forehand, fake backhand, back to the forehand, like, just completely out of left field. Like, nobody expected him. And we all went absolutely ballistic on the bench when he scored. And then I think their guy scored as well. So it went back around. And it was, I, I assume it's the longest shootout in history. But it is. It, it, it is actually the longest time. shootout in history, yes. Yeah, so I did. I shot one time. I was the 17, 17 of eighteen shooters that could shoot. I was the uh, seventeenth. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to pull up your shot right now, and it it didn't look <laughs> um, terribly impressive. Yeah, it was. You know, what? it's one of those things. A slap shot. You either got to go like for well, for me, I'm a lefty, so on most goalies, you got to go hard, low blocker, and it's just a, a almost impossible shot for the goalie to to stop if you can get it in that spot or just roof it. And I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a low blocker guy. So I just figured I'd do that. And I, I missed the spot and it, it looks bad when it just hits the goalie's pad. It looks like you didn't do anything. So looking back on it, I probably wouldn't have done a whole lot different anyways. Cause like I said, the ice gets chewed up at that point and to, to go and, and make a move and, and risk the puck bouncing. It's wasn't something I guess I was willing to risk. So I guess if I could do it differently, I'd probably wrist shot high, high, uh, high blocker, which is the other thing I like to to try and do when I'm going in on the goalies. And if you don't like Holtz knew it, so it wasn't ever fun for me in practice because he would just stand there and, 
and and knock it down. But for goalies that don't know, you know, a, a blocker side or your strong side shot is usually a pretty good bet. Yeah, that that round that shootout actually went twenty rounds against against the Panthers that year. <laughs> there you go. Does it say Does it say on there who uh, who won it? Who Nick Bukestad won it for 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 the Panthers. Oh, they beat us. Okay, so yeah. I thought for some reason I had a better memory of that. But uh, it's still yeah, fun it was, to be a part of something crazy like that, right? Extremely, yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of guys that will go through their whole career and never never take a, a shot and shootout. So I'm just happy I got one. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Capitals have been dealing now with with having Nick Dowd out for protocol and Garnet Hathaway out and Trevor Van Riemsdyk out. Obviously, you didn't deal with uh, like hockey during a, a pandemic absences. But what, when you had like a flu bug going through the team, was it like, hey, let's let's try not to have everybody sick at the same time? Well, I, I, that, that that's ideal conditions, yeah. But it never happens like that. It as soon as one guy got sick, everybody got sick. You know, you're touching all the same stuff drinking from the water bottles like if you started to notice you were getting sick it was always a the courteous thing to do is go and tape up a bottle that was just for you and and start drinking from that but you know it, it there there wasn't like now it's it's so normal to have sanitizer everywhere right so everybody's just used yeah. to just taking a square of sanitizer and off you go but for the most part you're not you know you weren't doing that as much before so it didn't matter everybody was getting it and so it you, those are the times of the year where it just sucks. Like everybody's coughing, no one can talk and trying to call for passes. No one's got a voice out there and, and you're just trying to get through and it, it happens. You go through like one or two times of the year where everybody starts to get something. And so it's no surprise that even with all the uh, protocols and stuff they have now that that guys are, are still finding a way to pick things up. Cause it just, it's just one slip up. Right. And, and next thing you know, one guy, two guys, three guys have it, but yeah, it, it it sucked when it was like a flu, when it was a flu bug that went around, and and it was that much harder for guys to play through it, and they're throwing up and stuff. That that's when it gets when it gets tough, but it's just normal now. Now we now we have a you know now we know that it's it's COVID and not just the the regular cold that we used to get. So they take it a little bit more serious. Yeah, and the Capitals have been taking this seriously, and and, and and coaches started putting the masks on all that. And because of the schedule, they play Saturday, they get off Sunday, they play Monday, off Tuesday, and and then all of a sudden practices cancel on Wednesday. Did you remember, like, I know this happens later in the year, but do you ever remember having a stretch of, of three, basically three out of four days off uh, from, from practices this early in the year? Uh, no, not definitely not th- this early in the year. I remember one time we had, it was, I'm trying to remember, it was one of the years where we, I think we won the President's Cup, maybe the 2016, I have to go back and, and check, but we were, we were on a heater. I think we had won like 11 or 13, like 11 games in a row, something like that. It was, or, or maybe it was like 10 of 11. Anyways, it was really, really good hockey we were playing. And then I think we had Anaheim coming to town and, um, and it was the game before or two games before the all-star break was coming. And then we got one of those freak snow snowfalls that we get sometimes in DC and the game ended up getting canceled. I remember and then, yeah. And, and then we ended up heading on all-star break right after that. So we had like three extra days off guys couldn't get to the rink. And then we went straight to all-star break after that for another four or five days off. And then came back, and I remember we just we weren't the same team after that for the next little bit, and, and I, th- I think we were we had it was just a crazy pace at that point. And then after the break, we came back down to down to earth, and it wasn't as impressive. But that was the 
that that was kind of the closest thing but it's weird when you don't when you have days off like multiple days off during the season and you're not at the rink and you're just walking around town it's i don't know it's weird like that's your city that you you're there to play hockey so when you're there and you're not playing hockey it just doesn't feel right yeah, and, and I actually remember that 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 snowstorm and that game because it was my, my weekend. My brother got married in Orlando, so we so my family it flew down to Orlando, and I, we were, I was flying back to make sure to get back in time for that game, and then they never, and then the game got postponed anyway. Oh, nice! You made all that extra effort just to just to get back, just to get back for a game that didn't happen, right? Exactly. Oh man, I I had that happen actually when we were leaving Montreal, and well, it wasn't quite like that, but we had a, a snowstorm thing where. I, it turns out that of a majority of the airlines, Air Canada is one of the only ones that will fly in the snow. And I think we were at Delta at the time. And so every flight got canceled. We were coming into Orlando as well to go to Disney. And uh, we ended up having to fly into Miami, got into Miami at 11 p.m. And they lost all of the luggage. We drove four hours to Orlando. So we had a day and a half in Disney only. No luggage. It, it arrived the night before we were leaving to go back to Montreal, and then we made it back luckily in time to to for the for everything to start back up. But it's just once the snow gets involved, you never know what's going to happen. We did we did get the first flurries. You, you were missing it while you were in in the nice warm warmth in Orlando. We had our first flakes of the season up in in Arlington and and uh, surrounding Virginia area today. Oh yes, get the outdoor rinks going, Pentagon City. Here we come. It's yeah, yeah, both time. Yeah, uh, and so on the way back, uh, we're going to talk to uh, to we're going to talk about Bruce Boudreau, our old friend, taking uh, over as coach of the Vancouver Canucks. We'll be right back on All Caps. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll go back to All's Caps uh, with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner, uh, live on location from, from Walt Disney World. Uh, I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. And, and the news broke the other night. Um, I was out in, in Raleigh with our, our friend Scott Burnside, uh, a few drinks deep, I believe, at the, at the time, when, it found, when we found out that Bruce Boudreaux was getting hired as coach of the Vancouver Canucks. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Bruce, there it is. <laughs> Bruce, there. That's all I could think about. No, I, I've, I was so fired up about it because lots of different reasons. I, Bruce is one of my favorite coaches I've ever had. Um, not, not just because what he does as a coach, but how he is as a person, um, the way he, the way he talks, it's like, I don't know. Maybe because it's not perfectly polished all the time. He just seems more, he seems more relatable, you know, like some of these coaches, they're so good at talking and their speeches and, and all that, that it's just like, I don't know. It, 
it's just, it just doesn't seem like you can relate. But Bruce, I mean, we've all seen him on 24-7, and he can, you know, he, he, he just says what's on his mind, and it comes out with clear passion because, you know, we're all the same. We're, we're talking, and sometimes we, we stumble over our words trying to get them out because we want them to come out and sound the right way, and, and they just don't. And I feel like that's one of the things that is so great about Bruce is, is you can just you can feel the passion when he's talking. And um, I think it's a really, really great hire for the team because one of the best things about Bruce, and I'm sure you remember it from, from when he was here and, and when Mike Green was, was getting going, is he can bring out the best in guys. And he can instill so much confidence in a guy. He knows exactly what buttons to push and which ones not to push. Um, he's hard on you without being like, like really negative. You know, some, some coaches get, get negative and you get in that doghouse and it's it's just like it's not a doghouse where you can get out of it with working hard you're just in there and like see you later it's not happening but bruce is a type of, of guy where i think if you you work hard you show that you're you're giving that honest effort and not making mistakes over and over the same mistakes over and over again then he lets you uh you know thrive and so i always remember that he, i think he I think he did wonders for Greeny when he took over and uh, and next thing you know, Mike's scoring whatever it is, 30 goals, 20 goals a year and became the player that he is because he's just that guy that will let you take the, give you the reins and, and go ahead. You know, don't be afraid to make, make a mistake one time. Don't continue to do that, but you know, go out there and play and play aggressive, work hard. And, and that's what the Canucks need right now. And they, they need somebody that can, that can really steer that ship. Someone with an unbelievable pedigree too. He's one of the winningest coaches, like top twenty winningest coaches in in the league history. Now it's it's just a great it's a great hire, <laughs> and people are gonna people are gonna love him there because he is he is pretty raw too. <laughs> you can hear it is uh, his first presser already dropping an f bomb. It's just I don't know. I, I think the fans are really yeah. That's Bruce. I think the fans are gonna really like him. I think the players are gonna really like him. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be good for the city. But I'm sad to see him go because I was hoping to, to work with him a little bit more again when I finally get to do some of those uh, some of the games this year. But but it, this is good for him. It's really good. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm happy for Bruce, and I, I miss Bruce. And, and John Walton said this on, on the, the radio broadcast the other night. The NHL is better for Bruce Boudreau being back in a, a coaching job. And, and I don't I didn't know that he was ever going to get another job. And, 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 and he said on NHL Network or something that he was very confident. But he wasn't sure if a GM would give an older guy a chance. But as a guy who played for him, what do you tell your buddies in Vancouver? Because I know you said that they're, they're fired up out there. What do you tell your buddies who are like, well, what's this guy going to be like? Well, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's, he, he wants you to work hard. So I remember clearly that we have meetings with him and you know, as a player, when you've messed up, like during the game, it's, you, you know, you've, you've done something wrong. Uh, a team has scored or there's been some chances against you that game and, and, and you know it, but I remember going into meetings where he, he doesn't let you hide, you know, if, if you've done something wrong and there's some there's some guys that occasionally are the exception where this is a coaching call where they know, okay, let's not pick on so-and-so because his personality won't take it as good as um, this guy's, you know, as, as player B. And so he, you know, he, he doesn't usually let you hide, which is great because that's the accountability that, 
that all players are are looking for. You know, you, you want guys to be accountable because then you know that they're going to do the right things when it comes down to it. And so I would remember going into meetings thinking, oh man, I was brutal last game. I had this turnover in the second period, this one in the third or whatever. And sure enough, it was there. And it was never like, it was never rip you to shreds, but it was, you know, like th- these things need to be ironed out. And then of course is his classic, you know, let the guys know that his classic charts are going to come where he writes these things on the board. And I've talked about it a few times now, but the the, the winning, playing good, winning, uh, just playing okay, and then winning, playing bad. And he does this this whole flow chart of how, how it all goes. And he's he's right on. It's uh, it's sometimes annoying how how bang on he is with it, but it's just you, you want to get in his good books is, is you work hard, you play the way he's asking you to play, and, and he's going to like you. So I think that he's... I've heard him talk about it a couple times now where he had the question, you know, how would, are there any players you would have maybe done things differently with, um, you know, after the fact, realized after the fact, and he mentioned a few guys that he says may he had them in fourth line roles or third line roles and, and they seem to be thriving pretty good now in, in second line roles. And so I think that's something that, that seems like he's maybe learned uh, a little bit from, from not coaching, uh, Maybe maybe trying guys out in different positions. Like I think who did he? he did, I just read something where he said he was going to put uh, Pedersen on the PK. You know, like things like that, where you give guys give guys a little bit more responsibility and and see if they can handle it. And if they can't handle it, then at least you tried. You, you don't quite know what you have until you try it. So I just think that he's. I don't. I, I'm I'm as I think as you can tell, I'm pretty fired up about that hire because you know the Canucks were were them and the Leafs for my teams growing up. So. It's uh, I talk to my buddies about it all the time, and we've got a good group chat going right now, and they're already already dissecting who's going to be the the GM there now. So you know, this, I I'm I'm happy for the team. I think it's going to do them well. Well, I hope for your sake, it's not your old boy Mark Bergevin as GM there. I voiced my opinion on the chat about that. I uh, I don't think that would be a wise move, but um, they they'll do their own due diligence, I'm sure, and, and talk to some guys about it. I I got I got some you know opinions on. Uh, on who it could be. I, I've heard McPhee's name in the running, and I think that would be same thing, an awesome hire, and bring him and Bruce together again. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know all the guys that they're looking at, so we'll, we'll see what they go with. But uh, for their sake, uh, I, I wouldn't go with that guy. Can can uh, can they turn the, – so the Flyers fire Elaine Vigneault. Uh, the Blackhawks fire Jeremy Colleton. Obviously, Travis Green in, in Vancouver with Bruce taking over there. Of those three teams, which one has the best chance of making the playoffs? That's tough. I mean, I... I it's a long know. way to go for the Canucks. I, I, I realize that. And it's a long way to go for Bruce. But when he took over in Anaheim, they were 20 points out of a playoff spot and they missed by a few. So, like, he's done this before. I, I mean, with, with, with just with that coaching hire, I definitely think he can turn them around and get them and get them going in the right direction. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on the, the personnel there if it's if it's the uh, the right combination. Like, you know, it, it could happen. Yeah, something's I, missing there, sure. Some, yeah, something could be missing. I mean, I kind of like Philly, honestly. The only problem with with Philly is, you know, the competition um, for them to for them to be in. I just don't really know exactly that that that's gonna work out for them. Um, so I would say, yeah, you might it, it may be the Canucks, but I do think the Flyers have a good a good group uh, with with a lot of a lot of solid players. They've had some some issues like obviously when, when Niski, when Niski decided to, to retire kind of out of the blue for most people. 
um, that hurt them a lot. And then having uh, Ellis be be sidelined, I think he's a player that can can fill the roles the or fill the shoes that that Niski um, had left when when he retired. So I, I think they have a good chance. But yeah, I mean Vancouver definitely could could turn things around. But it is a long road ahead of them. Yeah, and and we've seen Bruce turn non-playoff teams into playoff teams. He had that amazing run when he took over as Capitals coach in 07, 08. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about a team that is fortunately in a playoff spot, uh, good for them, uh, the Washington Capitals, and what is ahead for them, which might be the return of Nicholas Baxter. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on All's Caps, I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. Uh, Capitals looking ahead here uh, at the against the Penguins on, on a Friday night at Buffalo on, on a back-to-back. Maybe Nick Backstrom back soon. Uh, back, what, what, so you played in, in probably hundreds of back-to-backs in your career, many levels of all that. What's the challenge of that for for especially at the NHL level uh, of kind of conserving energy as much as you can? Yeah, I mean, it is hard because you you don't really have that option of conserving energy in that league. It's you you can't really take any time off because there's just there's just no opportunity to. I mean, you're you're you always wish to have a uh, you know five nothing game in in the first one so that you can kind of spread spread the minutes out throughout the entire lineup, but it just doesn't usually happen that way. Um, but what I do find is that the team that's come off a back-to-back is better in the the first period of that second game than the team that's sitting there waiting, which is, you know, I feel like they're just kind of still in a bit of a rhythm from the night before. It doesn't really matter if they've won or lost, but it's a little bit more fresh. But then it can be a little bit tough to to keep that going for the entire entire game. So they're they're difficult in the travel and all that because, you know, you got to think, no, their, their game ends at whatever it is, 10, 10 o'clock, 9, 9.30. But by the time they're on the plane and stuff, it's already 11, 11.30. You got an hour flight, 12.30-ish, get into the hotel, and then you got to kind of wind down after that. It's it's a late night. And then depending on how your team handles it the next day, if there's a, um, meetings or if the guys just get to sleep in all the way, it's it, it, it's difficult you are you're wanting ideal conditions to play every game and then you have you know playing on no sleep and you're tired it's it's very very hard but you you got to hope that you can jump out jump out hard in the first period and, and hopefully put a couple in there so that you can not completely take the foot off the gas but breathe a little bit and then and then after that it's kind of ride it out but yeah the back-to-backs are are tough but they're nothing quite like the ones you get in the American League when you in Hershey when you got to play three and back three. to back to backs. Yeah, those are those are insane when you think about it. But you know the the level of hockey is slightly different, so it, I guess it kind of evens out. Right, and, and and Nicholas Backstrom, it seems like he's getting close to returning, and 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 we kind of have 
not an over under, but we're kind of almost like placing bets on when we think he's going to come back. Obviously, we know how we know what Nicky does, Nick does for this team, but how, how soon can this guy be back? And and, and what, is, what what kind of infusion of, of energy is it going to be for the Capitals to have Backstrom back in the lineup? It's going to be huge. It's like you know, whenever somebody comes back from from an injury and a long absence on the team, and they get on the ice and. Every, everybody starts stick tapping for him because they're they're fired up to see him back and, and to be a part of the group and and it's and it's hard when when your schedule is your schedule is completely different than the rest of the team right did you're not there for for the meetings for the practices you're not in the room in between games where you get to you know really feel what's going on with the guys and Nick's been there long enough that um, he understands everything that's going on but but still it's a long time to be out of there and, and they've already gone through you know, so much, a third of the, a third of the season or whatever it is already. And so it's a little bit, you know, it's a little, a little weird, I would assume coming back into the lineup um, and missing all that, but it's Nick Backstrom. It's, you know, it's the heartbeat of, of the, uh, that team, in my opinion, you know, a guy that, that everybody's, everybody's listening to, everybody's watching. And so I think that, uh, that, that the guys will be really happy that he's back, but the thing that sometimes happens when when the big guys come back is is that everybody else kind of kind of relaxes a little bit too much because they're like okay now we got our guy back let's uh you know let's let him do it all but he's gonna have to ease his way back into it it's a long time for for someone to be away from uh from the game and to try and get back up to that speed so you know hopefully they uh the team allows him to kind of slowly get his feet wet but but yeah let's let's get him back in i, I want to see him sauce a few passes and uh, and you know hopefully, you know, Kuzi's been doing a pretty good job of it. But it, it'd be nice to see uh, nice to see Nick throw a few in the wheelhouse too. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and circle that December nineteenth game against the Kings as like the game you want to get him in there before Christmas because in theory, like the energy in it building on on that day. Uh, the Washington football team is playing at the Eagles that day. Uh, it's, right now, it's it's, it's it might be like a, a kind of a celebratory night in DC to have a guy like Nick Backstrom back for a home game. Yeah, that would be nice. You get him, get him, get him on the ice at, at home would be great and play a couple games before, before a little Christmas break. And just in case, you know, he needs, uh, he needs to take, take some time off after, after the first couple. So that, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but you know, once you really start gearing up for things, you'll, I guess you'll, he'll see how his body reacts, what kind of shape he's in too. Cause because yeah, there's there's nothing quite like uh, playing a game to get in shape. So it's uh, it's gonna be difficult. But yeah, I would love to love to have a little DC celebration with uh, with football and hockey kind of going back to back there. So that would be that'd be a good one. I I I'm gonna have to check the schedule myself and see where I'd where I'd place my bet. Yeah, and and this could be another NFC East champion Washington football team. And our our my buddy John Kime does the uh, does the the Empire Media podcast on the Washington football team, and hopefully we'll be doing some doing some some cross synergy with 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 that podcast at some point with uh with washington but uh looking ahead uh carl at chicago next week we've talked about arenas that are good and bad to play in did you like playing in that that twenty three thousand madhouse in madison uh in chicago all, all i need to say about that is is anybody who loves a good sport atmosphere if you haven't watched a game in chicago you need to go and watch a game in chicago uh, be there before the anthem starts. Yep. Take all that in. Ideally, when the team is is good and maybe against the team that they have a good rivalry against, that would be that would be great. But it, it's just something that you have to see. It, 
the the chills that you get from from that anthem are just out of this world and i i would put it up there with the top uh probably top three buildings in the league uh in terms of atmosphere starting a game it it you just have to see i don't don't even know if there's anything else like that in sports in north america at least where where the fans are cheering through the entire entire anthem i know they sing it a lot of times in vancouver like full-on sing it but where there's that much noise for the anthem, I I don't know anything of it. Someone else might, but it's just something that's so so cool. So yeah, it's on a hockey bucket list. That would be one of the things you'd see. Yeah, well, I'm 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 a couple years older than you, and one of my first hockey memories is the the All Star Game in Chicago in I guess it was 1991, middle of the Persian Gulf War, and just like how how that place how loud that place was during the anthem and Wayne Mesmer singing it and the organs going on and to me that was one of those like welcome to hockey moments where just Chicago and that was the old Chicago stadium but United Center fits 23,000 people and gets loud yeah it, it it's insane it really is I mean I'm trying to think right now of of all the buildings and and what their um in-game ops are like because that's something that that I always really paid a lot of attention to uh, you know what the atmosphere was like for the anthem and all that stuff and and you know you you you've seen them all too and it's like you know you put Chicago there I think Montreal has a nice thing when they come into the uh, Coldplay song yep. uh, at the beginning and and all that that's that's pretty good but it's it's yeah, it's different um, than than what Chicago does I know Toronto has. They got some good uh, good light show and Vancouver's got a good light show and stuff like that. Vegas, obviously, um, but yeah, I mean a building that's building that's loud. Like you, you you want noise, you know, you want it, and it sucks sometimes as a fan when when it's so loud, it's kind of messing with your messing with your ears. But but it it definitely gets the people going. And I mean, I don't know about you, like my top three, my top three openings, I I put I definitely put uh, Chicago up there. I put Montreal up there, and then come on uh, Vegas now, right? Yeah, I'd have to say Vegas probably is 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 up there. I mean, they got a former WWE, like what is it the 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 operations guy from the WWE? I think that's running it now, so he, they know how to put on a show. So it's I I think those are the top three. I don't know what what, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think I think Montreal, Vegas, and. Uh, Madison Square Garden, New York, is a special one to me. Like, I, right. and I and I was around for so many of those playoff series that you guys played against the Rangers. And and to me, just the the and and, and even that year that they made the final in, in 2014 and and covering a couple games against the Kings there, there was just there's just something about the world's most famous arena and what it's like there. And I know Bruce Boudreau would disagree with me, but it's still fun. <laughs> it is, and it, it's like it's so funny. There's there's a couple places like that. So the Rangers is one where they have that goal song. Whoa, let's go Rangers. That just like pisses you right off. You don't want to hear it, but it's, what do you think about it? It's like, ah, it's actually kind of sweet. And then the same thing in Chicago. The da, 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 da. It's like Chelsea Dagger and Chelsea Dagger in Chicago yeah. gets stuck in your head. Yeah. We always say you, you don't want to hear any of those da, 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 tonight, guys. Let's, let's have a good one. Or you don't want to hear any cannons in Columbus. They shoot off that cannon every time. Uh, the Blue Jackets score. So yeah, it, those are the things. It was something that a that a building can really, or a fan base, I guess, can really latch onto, and and it it really like inputs itself in into somebody's brain. Like I have a serious imprint of that uh, of that Let's Go Rangers song, and oh man, does it it bugs me, but it 
also fires me up at the same time. So they're they're doing something right there. And, and look, I, I think opponents would would feel that, that that the Capitals have something like that too. Just when, when that crowd in a playoff run late in the season, like that's still a fun atmosphere to to, to play in, in in DC. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I so we're talking about top three here. I'd, I'd be putting I'd be putting that building. Um, you know, definitely, definitely in the top ten for sure. It's for sure. The unleash, unleash the fury. Um, you know, when when things are going good, having that many red jerseys and stuff like that, the definitely, definitely on track there. And the fans are starting to. I, I don't really know if they're doing it as much right now, but um, you know, when when the team scored and and they're doing the uh, the goal chant and all that stuff, it's all your fault. There's some, I know some college hockey uh, stuff. Maybe be it, it was kind of you know, what they were up to there. But I, I think that's cool because it's something that gets the whole fan base together. Even doing the wave, like, you know, the wave is, is old school, but it's classic. And, and I think it's just uh, unites the whole building. And that's when it ends up being being more fun. Like me and me and Mandy, we have this idea for this pump-up video that we've been wanting to do for the team for a couple of years now, since since I stopped playing, I guess. Um, and I was like, this is this would just be perfect there. i got to pitch the idea We've been kind of waiting for it because it's just one of those things that could really elevate the building to the ne- next level when there's uh when when the fans are just feeling it. It's the same thing a Saturday night game, a Friday night game. It's uh there's there's just a little bit more juice in the building, and so if you can find other ways to turn a Tuesday night game into a Friday night feel, then uh, I, it just goes a long way. We're we're running out of time here, and I want you to I want you to get back to Disney and your family. We got to put a pin in this wave discussion because I hate the wave more than I hate almost anything in sports, and so we, we might have to have an entire episode where we're, we're arguing over whether the wave deserves to be in sports. <laughs> well, it, you know what? It I I mean I throw my hands up for the wave. I can't. There can't be that many people that won't throw their hands up for the wave if it's going around. You know, you got to do your part. It's everyone tugs on the rope there. Otherwise, it's not a wave. So. I don't know what the wave did to you, Lionel. Maybe we're, you can fill us in at some point. We're, we're, we're going to have to argue about this at some point. Carl, safe travels for, for you and your family back from Disney, and we'll all talk to you next week. Sounds good.